Hello! Hello and welcome to the lowest common phenomenon. I'm blowing out the mic just to start out, uh, breaking them in. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Olivia Hydar, and uh, as mentioned in uh, our previous teaser episode, uh, I'm, I'm all alone in Indiana. I don't, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not with Vanessa this week. Uh, but who I do have is my very special, uh, guest co-host, Luke Van Tress is here joining us. That's right, it's me. You are not alone. No. You are not alone. It's true. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, this is our first, like, full episode that we're recording together. I'm very excited. Uh, we just, we kind of dipped our toe, just dipped the toe in the water a little bit. Yeah. A few days ago. See how it feels. Try it on. Yeah, yeah. Test the waters. Uh, waters feel nice. Uh, wading in. And, uh, yeah, so this week, uh, getting right into it. Because I, I can't, I can never think of anything to say in an intro, so I'm just going to press right past. Not just, I want to say I'm happy to be here with you. I am happy as well. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Southland Tales, uh, Richard Kelly's uh, sophomore film, oh. uh, a, a film that we have both been obsessed with for well over 10 years, uh, and that has kind of been a ver- uh, like a big part of our friendship through the years. It's always been the silent third partner. Yeah, exactly. It's always with us in our hearts. Lurking, like when you close the mirror in your bathroom. Yeah, and then it's behind you. Southland Tales. Southland Tales. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's see. What to, what to say about Southland Tales? This is something we were talking about earlier. It's it's difficult to talk about this movie. It's wild. It's a trip. Uh, yeah, it's insanely trippy, especially uh, the version that was released in theaters, the theatrical cut, uh, which is a it's a two hour long epic. How would you how would you describe it? It's an epic fever dream. Yes, it is. It does sound like describing a dream when you try to describe it with sort of inverse. Lee star-studded cast. It is, a, yeah. It like the cast is insane. Looking back, and it's like a epic sci- science fiction alternate reality political satire, <laughs> uh, neo noir type thing. Uh, it's too layered for its own good. It's too dense by half, and the theatrical version that I'm used to seeing is very obtuse. Yes. And hard to get your teeth into. Yeah. It's uh it it's an aggressive uh film. It's aggressively uh unknowable. Super stylized, super over the top. Yes. Everything is a caricature of a caricature and everything has to be a comment on something. Yeah, it, it is Richard Kelly's sweeping uh commentary on political life in 2004 when he wrote it uh and boy does he have a lot of things to say he had a lot of things to say a lot of things that i agree with and have perhaps come true yeah 15 years since that's the thing is like it this is one of those movies that um 
for the people who kind of love it, uh, it does seem in many ways to predict aspects of our modern political landscape. But man, if I could just go back to George W. Bush in 2004, <laughs> only worrying about like oil and Iraq and yeah, the meanings of patriotism and the beginnings of like CCTV and the yeah, I mean constant it, surveillance. Part of the reason that uh, things seem to seem more relevant today uh, in this movie is because so many of the terrible things uh, that are going on in our modern world uh, are direct results of the terrible things that happened uh, in America in the early 2000s. Oh, the pendulum. Uh, it really is. Like, uh, we, you know, Obama didn't really uh, stop a lot of the, the really bad stuff, like the Patriot Act, these erosions of our uh, civil liberties. And so, unfortunately... Uh, our world has taken those problems and uh, exaggerated them to the point of uh, satire, which is uh, kind of how there are very few things that are, there are a lot of things that are like uh, very relevant. And there is so much satire happening in this movie, and he brings in some experts to do it. <laughs> a lot of former SNL cast members the, the in ca this movie. Yeah, the cast in this movie is, is satire wild. experts who, playing very R-rated versions of things. I'm not used to seeing them do. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, we we should talk a lot about the cast. Uh, we're going to be all over the place. I think just in uh, general, just because uh, for if you haven't seen the movie, highly recommend going to see it. Uh, uh, you know, seeking it out, but you'll understand that it is, uh, it defies explanation in so many ways. And uh, if I seem scattered, that's not my fault because immediately prior to recording, we watched the can cut yes. of said film, and my head has been way deep in Richard Kelly's schizophrenic <laughs> brain here for the last two hours and 40 minutes. It does really feel like, uh, you're taking a deep dive into this one guy's uh like subconscious which is what makes it so engaging i think in general but yeah we did watch uh this this movie we should say it premiered at Cannes in 2005 where uh it was booed it is two hours and 40 minutes long at the time and uh it got a a terrible reception uh, uh, everyone at can hated it and honestly it's understandable why it was so long it's very long it was so long and some things they harped on too much and some things way not enough yes it is interesting yeah like the we're, we can't get too much into like the well, i guess we could get way into like the the nitty-gritty differences between the two versions but i would say broadly the can cut uh you know, for the theatrical, they cut 30 minutes out of the film. Uh, and a lot of those 30 minutes are exposition scenes that kind of explain more clearly what is actually going on, uh, at least on the grander plot scale. On the character scale, it's still pretty muddy. But uh, it is, uh, it, it's a longer film, and it, like, on the whole, it is more cohesive as a film. 
but it's it's because it's so long it is a little bit trying to sit through it loses a lot of the frenetic energy of the theatrical cut yeah the theatrical i think is the one to watch it, it is uh it has this yeah manic energy where it's just jumping from location to location from scene to scene with abandon and a really high amount of what the fuck's per minute yes if that was a measurement you could take of a film oh man he goes for it (laughs) oh he's breaking the record uh but he is uh yeah it, it it is a it is a fucking bizarre film i it's hard to believe that it got made uh, it is, uh, yeah, it, it is just a, a Well, how did it get made? It was, <laughs> it, it was his follow-up to his indie hit, Donnie Darko. Right, which wasn't like a giant financial success when it came out in theaters, but it quickly gained a, a cult following on, you know, this is the early days of DVD, and, mm-hmm. like, it was just a big movie among, especially like high schoolers of our generation he really beat the wave on 80s obsession yes absolutely brought back patrick swayze and made him creepy yeah and, and swayze's great in that movie and that movie I, you know uh i don't i don't love donnie darko but it is interesting in some ways but it is definitely i mean you see why it appeals to jake gyllenhaal's great jake gyllenhaal's good and it's just like uh angry teen thing you don't if you get it you get it right it very much is like uh it's an easy favorite movie for an outsider teenager (laughs) it's like i'm growing out of nightmare before christmas i've grown out of invader (laughs) zim what's what's gonna be my next thing journeying through all of the levels of hot topic uh and uh yeah Johnny darko came out of the oven hot topic ready it really i'm did. talking about yeah. frank the bunny oh absolutely i mean it, it might like it probably was like the founding idea behind hot topic was like we should have a store where we can buy frank the bunny stuff yeah i'm gonna make like five t-shirts per spooky property exactly. and we'll rotate them through on a giant grid wall and then a bunch of disney stuff yeah, you yeah. know. And band t-shirts. In my experience, uh, Disney and goth has always been pretty close together. Yeah, they... Disney goths are pretty common. I, it, it is a subsect that I'm aware of. I've I'm, I'm never been like a... Never never quite understood it, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless them. <laughs> but yeah, like Donnie Darko, again, not a giant success, financial success, Mm-mm. but it was such a huge cult hit that... what's the name of the actress i love in that that plays the mom that's the president and Battlestar? oh um I, I i know her name um mary mary o'dowell donnell mary o'donnell i'm i'm uh derailing us right now <laughs> my we might cut that out we don't know uh, i don't know uh Let's see. What, so he, what was they it? allowed him to make well, another movie well, after now Donnie I Darko. Know what her, now I want to know what her name was. Well, you look up the name. I'm gonna, wait, uh, hold on, hold on. We could um, again. I'll, I, I'll, I get it. We can cut this while you're looking that up. I'll tell you just personally that because you, you're going to cut this out anyway. A story that I really like back from when I was in a band. We were going to make a stage play out of Donnie Darko. Really? We're call it Danny Dorko. We should save this and. <laughs> 
It was, uh, we had a really great spot for it, uh, this art center. Mary so McDonald. Mary McDonald from Dances with Wolves. Yes. And we were going to make a whole theatrical experience out of it where we're going to show the movie and uh, make a new mix of the movie with dialogue only. Okay. And then my band would play both the pop songs sure. from the movie and then I would make ambient music in between the pop song parts of the movie. Right. And we were going to have sparkle motion dancers. I was going to have a bubble artist for the part where the tu- the tunnel comes out of Jake Gyllenhaal's chest. Sure. You know, running up and down the aisles, making a big bubble. And the entrance was supposed to be a papier mache airplane fuselage that you had to enter through, entering into the world of Danny Dorco and our, like, dark theater experience. And kind of have a fun, spooky, weird 80s time. Sounds fun. Yeah, well, you know, being in like a new wave band, I feel like you sort of had to, right? <laughs> Never came to be, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. So, so yeah, I'm, so... I'm trying to get us from... No, it's okay. This movie yeah. got an amount of cults and critical acclaim. Yeah, it, it just became such a huge cult hit so fast that... Somehow the... they, they said... Here's what thirty, fifty million dollars. Yeah. that's the thing. Like the he he he. This was uh, the the studio didn't really know what to do with a movie like that that was that kind of successful. Could and he so, be the next yeah, Tim Burton? Maybe. Yeah, maybe he's the next like quirky weird guy. And so they just gave him a bunch of money to and said, "Hey, make a thing, make whatever you want." Mm-hmm. And uh, he made. Uh, Southland Tales. Southland Tales. His <laughs> Southland South sophomore effort. Yes. And like, it is wild to think that that is like your, your it's your sophomore film and, that, and you're going that hard on it. And that's what, if nothing else should draw you in, is the pure ambition. It truly is. The pure gusto. Uh, this is the kind of film that needed a three-part graphic novel prologue in order to understand the plot of it. Which I have here with me now, incoming dramatic sound effect. Whoa, there it Jesus is. Christ. It's, it's so heavy. It's heavy! Yeah. It I, if you look at it, you'll notice by the binding here, I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I have read it, uh, and it is... Uh, does not help really <laughs> nothing really helps you understand this movie Ugh. uh it's so uh it is just wild to think about um but yeah uh can i ask you a hypothetical question sure. answer it realistically if you know the answer but say you're richard kelly okay and you're coming up for your sophomore film here and then knowing what i know what came out at the end where do you think he started first do you think he started wanting to make a neo-noir film? Do you think, like a neo-noir mystery? Do you think he started with the high-minded sci-fi BS right. words? Quantum entanglement, <laughs> liquid karma. Or do you think he started with his big themes that are itching him because of uh, current world events? And he wants to shoehorn some kind of apocalyptic story into what he's feeling right now i feel like it's definitely he started with the political aspect Mm. because that is such an 
an integral part of the story. Like it begins with a nuclear attack on Abilene, Texas. Why Abilene? I think it's just supposed to be like a small town in the heartland. Everywhere America. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, it like, and that is this inciting incident that like diverts us into the alternate timeline that Southland Tales exists in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so I feel like that had to be foundational was just n- wanting to make a, a political statement about terrorism and, and government surveillance and, and all of this stuff, this extremely broad satire. And therefore I'm going to make a big, what if movie about it, right? An alternate and, future historical. And I think, and you know, I, I, I've, I've seen some interviews with him uh but it you know uh i i believe that uh he it thinks that he is making a movie he's made a movie about the book of revelations i think that's what he really thinks the is like the story of the film because especially when you watch the can cut Justin Timberlake uh, said, like keeps quoting chapters from the Book of Revelation. Revelations. And he is the narrator. And yeah, he is the, Justin Timberlake the very, the from NSYNC and the Social Network. Yeah, well, and this is this is one of his early like big dramatic performances. I believe uh, Black Snake Moon came out the year before. Uh, and Sam Jackson, Christina Ricci. Yeah, and like, and that was the first moment where I really noticed Justin Timberlake as an actor. And was like, oh, this he's given a really good performance in this movie. Uh, and in this, he is definitely committing. And that's the thing. Everyone in this cast seems like they're really going for it. Which is one of the things that makes it such an engaging watch. Everybody commits. Everyone's super committed. Uh, even though you know that no one had any idea what they were actually making. <laughs> There's no way, because... You know, stand there and say your wacky ass lines. Yeah, like I'm seeing the finished product and I don't know what it is that they've made. So I can't imagine that it like reads much more coherent on the page. Wallace Shawn knows what the movie's about. We need to track. (laughs) We need to track him down. He is fucking having a blast in this movie. (laughs) Wallace Shawn. He is like constantly wearing uh, either like a shimmering like sci-fi muumu. Or yeah, like, future Egyptian, yeah, <laughs> with like toilet swirl hair. Yeah, he, he, his hair is all curled up in a little in a little Charlie Brown swirl. Right He's eating it up. He is. He is. He is eating it up. Any scenery he can find. Yeah, chom chom chom. He's the fucking Langoliers of the South <laughs> <Lake> scenery. <laughs> the Langoliers eating it all up. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Wallace Shawn uh, plays uh, Von Westphalen, Dr. Von Westphalen, uh, who's a, he's, he's a crazy scientist guy. He invented a perpetual motion machine. In the, Out in of the, waves? Or yeah. It has something to do with water and also people? Yeah, basically. Or souls? The, I think he, yeah, he, like, converts the movement of the ocean into a universal energy system that then can power things wirelessly they they oh it's wireless energy it's wireless energy they do which they depict 
through a CG commercial in the, in the movie where uh, one car mounts and fucks another car. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like a, a real Rockstar Games moment there. It's... When you're watching it, it's kind of hard to believe that it's happening. Uh, the car mounts the other car. It's exhaust pipe turns into a penis that uh, curves around and then the other cars it's so graphic the other it's, cars you're describing it again pipe. to me and i don't want to remember <laughs> the they're other hummers they're big they're big cars yes they are giant hummers <laughs> and the other cars uh exhaust pipe uh starts quivering and vibrating mm. <laughs> and it grows labia <laughs> But listen, he's ahead of his time with his marketing. I feel like if... Oh, yeah, that commercial would to be totally uh, popular today. Uh, if people saw that today, they'd be way more on board with alternative energy than they are now. You know what? Actually, I, I wonder if AOC has ever thought about If you that go, like, super hypersexual aggressive, like a Hardee's commercial... Yeah, exactly. We should really be looking to Hardee's for our... Uh, plans for saving the environment i eat burgers i do not have an electric car there you go that's all i have to say about that <laughs> uh, uh so i gross. love that the commercial is insane uh, shout out to famous subreddit dragon's fucking cars have you ever been on that one before no it's drawings of exactly what it sounds like great yeah that sounds terrible I bet they love this movie there. Uh, well, no, but it's not a dragon fucking a car, though. It's a car fucking a no, car. No, it's true. Which I feel like they might not be into. That would be, like, homosexual. Yeah, it feels sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah. And it feels sacrilegious in the movie, too. <laughs> uh. This whole movie is basically taking God's name in vain. It's an, <laughs> an over-the-top thrill ride. We're... God, like... So do you think... But not the can's cut, though. No, the can cut is really, like, kind of a normal movie. It's wild that that's the version that got booed. <laughs> but it is extremely long, I could understand. Uh, like, I, it is tough because it is a bad movie. I mm -hmm. think if you just are, like, looking at it on its face as a piece of understandable media... Overall bad yeah movie but fascinating lots of good things happen in it L so many unexpected things happen in it um and you know you take that how you will you you decide if that's good thing or not just for so, yourself it's just so interesting and it's made with so much love and commitment and they don't half-ass any of it all no God. like it like we said before everyone's committed and, like, uh, this is, you know, it's starring The Rock mm -hmm. in one of his early, like, dramatic roles. Who is now the biggest actor on the planet in yes. size and payment. Yeah, he, he is gigantic now in every sense of the word. Uh, and, yeah, he's it's, it's wild to think that, like, I feel, you know, I feel like this is maybe the movie that kind of scared him away from doing interesting <laughs> roles again. Ah, uh, it got pretty safe after that. Because, yeah, like, everything since, ev you know, everything he's been doing, like, as much as I love The Rock in Fast a lot and of things. Fast and Furious is great. Yeah. On record, in favor of the Fast franchise. Yeah, totally. It, it, but it does feel like maybe, like, he's taken, like, the easy way out as far as being, I mean, like, look, who am I to say? He makes millions and millions of dollars every day. Like, he's one of the most famous people on the planet. 
But you know, I think there was a grace period of time where he was out of wrestling and still trying to make it as a real actor before what I would consider to be going back to wrestling and like putting the face back totally. on. Yeah. And now just being a caricature, playing versions yes. of himself in movies, but you still know, oh, it's just the rock under there. Yeah. Absolutely. And that never really sense. disappearing into anything anymore and like falling back on his like natural charisma that he right. inherits from the ring and his dad and, and he's a naturally charismatic guy and like it is kind of a shame like you know i don't want to i don't want to bag too much on the rock but no. it's just like he i really felt like there was a chance for him to become a really interesting actor and not just another uh another big name action star Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's a good role model. Um, I think he's inspirational, but also he plays it safe a lot. And this is, I think, maybe my only chance to publicly express my sadness and grief at the lost opportunity of the Sean William Scott The Rock combo. Oh, absolutely. Um, we talked about this while we were watching the movie. Our love for the movie The Rundown, of course, with special guest Christopher Walken, uh, who is terrific in that movie mm-hmm. love the rundown it is one of the rock's best movies and uh yeah that w- that also had sean william scott who's also in southland tales playing two characters uh, and they share a lot of screen time in this yeah it's true and like they have so much screen chemistry and, and they both do really great dumb i don't know what's going on and yeah. i'm confused faces yeah yeah, no, they're they're a really great pair. That yeah, they uh, there's so much fun in their scenes together. In this, are so have such a weird energy. Are very fun, and it's such a good idea for casting because their characters don't know what's going on for the whole movie. Right? Yeah, you well, could... you're gonna cast somebody who is confused and drugged right. up. These guys are constantly getting injected with needles the whole movie. Yeah, there's lots of lots of needles in this. Various movie. colors of gel liquid being yes. inserted into necks. <laughs> uh, yes, and they it, it is. I just wish they'd gotten more chances. And I have this conspiracy theory that this film killed it. Their nascent budding relationship, and then who slithers in there? Kevin Hart. <laughs> Climbing on his back and riding around like Yoda. That serpent, Kevin Hart. We're going to make millions of dollars together. We'll make Central Intelligence. Yeah, everyone loves Central Intelligence. I don't. I watched it on Redbox and it was terrible. Yeah, it it looked bad. I'm not super surprised by that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, so Sean Williams got... like. So, The Rock has gone on to be the most famous actor yes. in the world right now. Sean William Scott right now is, depending on your point of view, current, modern day, either thriving or languishing in network TV. Yeah, you know, he's he's on that, le- he was on the Lethal Weapon They no show. longer make him make American movies. Yeah, that's he's true. He's free of that curse. <laughs> uh, he's, you know, he did get a couple good sports movies and the goon movies which are very fun oh can we talk about goon for a minute or two i love goon the goon is so sweet it's a great he has such sweet sad eyes yeah and i've never seen somebody punch hold someone by the shirt with their left hand and punch them repeatedly in the face with such sadness before (laughs) both taking and 
distributing. He's really terrific. I I, I do love Leif Schreiber. Yeah, Allison, Leif Schreiber. Uh, Allison Pill. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Goon. What what a fun movie. That's just like a an old school sports comedy. I quote that movie a lot in my day to day life. Yeah, I don't remember any Goon quotes. Uh, I always like to say, "Why are you so sad? Did you just watch Rudy?" Oh, well, that'll happen though. I mean, <laughs> did you? Maybe they did. Uh, which is a big thing where I come from here. That right? Movie. Yeah, Indiana. We yeah. have like three movies. Yeah based here and now stranger things oh, coming boy. up in the world where now the place where weird things happen as if people forgot about the eerie indiana, eerie indiana yeah, the course. nickelodeon series uh although stranger things to say that it takes place in indiana is a stretch <laughs> it doesn't look like indiana it doesn't look like it at all when you watch it where does it look like it takes place to you uh Oregon, yeah, like somewhere in with mountains and they have hills and coniferous trees. Yeah, giant forests. IDK, maybe Maine, maybe Stephen King territory. Yeah, maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. They should look at Gremlins, which also takes place in Indiana. Does not look like Indiana, but Gremlins takes place in Indiana. Yeah. Oh man, Billy's like hometown is supposed to be Indiana. Gremlin's one of the best Christmas movies ever made. Of course. Great movie. Uh, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. Love him. He's in this movie. Mm-hmm. We should talk about... Let's. Let, uh, you want to do some more cast? Yeah, let's talk about some more cast, because we've been I, talking up the cast. Yes. Uh, Goon was great. Yes. Sean William Scott deserves to be in more things. I, I, really I think he's him. really well cast in Lethal Weapon, the TV show. Give yes. him more chances to do things. He's got range. It's true. Like he's he's funny. He's, he's got good physical control. Yeah, of his body and his eyebrows. I think he just kind of got uh, swept up by those American Pie movies that they made him do. It's not. Uh, he, I guess they didn't make him. He, they paid him money. <laughs> I don't I'm know sure how doesn't. many people really made it out of those alive. Yeah, Jason Biggs. I guess he's not. We should start a GoFundMe to free Eugene Levy. (laughs) Yeah, so he doesn't have to keep going to band camp. (laughs) Poor Eugene Levy. Yeah, he's the one who got trapped. Oh, which nephew of this is are you to me? (laughs) Um. So next, I want to talk about Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer herself. She's great. She plays Krista now, a porn star slash... Reality TV star. Reality TV star. Slash influencer. Yeah, just generally an influencer, basically. Yeah, she is, like, living the influencer lifestyle. Kind of like a more smutty goop, (laughs) which is quite a phrase. Smutty goop. But if we're pinning this, like you said during while we were watching the film, during the showing... Uh, if we're pinning this as a neo-noir, she's our femme fatale. Yes. Yeah, she's uh, she's who The Rock's character, Boxer Santeros, has, like, shacked up with after coming back from the desert. Where, with amnesia. With amnesia, where some weird time travel-related shit happens. <laughs> Very unclear. This movie starts in media rays, but also in molasses at the same time. <laughs> Because people stumble around with amnesia, not knowing where the plot is. It is wild, and they just bumble into yeah, each other. Both The Rock and Sean William Scott have amnesia throughout the entire movie, which makes them kind of tough main characters to really. They're lucky they're durable because they're just like 
pawns that are constantly injected yeah. and kidnapped and moved around by yeah. various people with weird hair. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, I think, is terrific. I, I think most of the cast of this film are doing a terrific job just, with insane material. Like, my whole thing is they're just making everybody say the most vulgar words. <laughs> And they say the word cock chugger no fewer than a baker's dozen times in <laughs> At this least, movie. Yeah. Making Buffy say that word. Yeah, because one of her one of the films that she was in was Cock Chuggers Two. two. Cock Chuggin'. Cock ch- <laughs> I believe is the subtitle. <laughs> uh Back for more. She is like yeah, she she does have she has this like talk show, this like the View style talk show with a bunch of other porn stars where they talk about current events. So pretty and, much like the View. Yeah, basically. Uh except uh no Megan McCain. Uh which is good. Yeah, I don't mind that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good thing overall. Uh but yeah, no, uh like she, she talks about. So they've been drugging and doing it so good. Yeah, they've been. They've that been... they wrote the end of the world in a screenplay, yeah, which they... is the most Hollywood BS I've ever heard. They did stupid Philip Kaufman shit. Yeah, they wrote. They wrote a screenplay that if when when you hear the details of the screenplay, it basically spells out in very vague ways what happens at the end of the movie, although very vaguely and very. <laughs> Uh, unclear of why that is happening. Uh, it's tough to tell. Uh, How is Sarah Michelle Geller? I think she's great in it. I think she's doing a really good. There, she's very funny. Uh, she's got some great moments where she just has to look completely lost as people are talking about like important things around her, and she has no idea what they what they're talking about. She's trying to do a dumb blonde who's not so dumb, but maybe is actually stupid. Yeah. Dumb. Well, the thing is, everybody in this movie, all of the characters are very stupid. Everybody's very dumb. Which I think is on purpose, but uh, it makes them behave in ways that aren't always uh, very understandable. Uh, so now me. I want to talk about some okay, of our so cast, some of it. our cast often weirdos that we yes. accrued in this movie. People that are for shock or satire or for personal reasons or perhaps coercion have found their way into this movie cast against type. Yes. In a sort of shock value way, both in the filmmaking and the performance. Sure, yeah. So we have. Amy Poehler from Parks and Rec and My Heart and Dreams. (laughs) Oh, Parks and Rec takes place in Indiana. Yeah, it does, kind of. It it really takes place in California. It makes it seem so much nicer than it really is here. Yeah, it's because it's shot in California. (laughs) (laughs) Sherry O'Terry. Yeah, Sherry O'Terry is in Who is my new Freddy Krueger. Oh my god, she is fucking terrifying in this film. Yeah, well, she is all all high energy throughout this whole thing. She is keyed up and ready to resort to violence at the drop of a hat uh john lovitz john lovitz appears as a racist cop uh he looks dead inside he's he is also very scary in this movie god he's a little too good at it yeah you know like when he plays a creep in some snl sketches and you're like you're a little too good at this john lovitz it's like you kind of just know (laughs) Uh. yeah he's uh he's very good i mean 
but to to his credit, he is not playing like your hello, I'm John Lovitz character. <laughs> like my John Lovitz impression. Hello. I'm John I can't do it. Nah. Acting. No, sorry. Acting like John Lovitz. <laughs> uh, We're not pulling out of this rat race. <laughs> No, we won't go into the Hitler Museum. Oh, yeah. Remember, remember well, that in Rat Race? Whatever. Remember in Rat Race? I don't want to. Remember in Rat Race where they go don't to make the me Nazi. Rat Race. They go to the Nazi Museum, and then John Lovitz escapes from there in Hitler's car, mm-hmm. and then they crash a uh, World War II vet and Holocaust survivor uh, meeting, and he has ash on his nose that makes him look like Hitler. And he burned his mouth, so he's speaking in German. Age like milk, <laughs> those jokes did. 2019. Uh, yes. Uh, I actually haven't seen Rat Race in a while. I just have very vivid memories of it. I watched it a lot. I'm just going to say John Lovett scared me the same amount he normally does in this movie. Yes. He's a, uh, but I, I do think he's good, though. I think he's compelling. I yeah. want to watch him. Yeah. Uh, he does a good police violence in this movie. Right. He does a real scary police violence that I really believe in this movie. <laughs> that is yeah, a little sh- too real for he me. He shoots Amy Poehler and her boyfriend. Amy Poehler is playing like a... Ooh, got a little pop there. Amy Poehler is playing a performance artist named Dream. Uh, and in, uh, She's shot by John Lovitz while they're having a fake argument with... Uh, her boyfriend Dion, played by Wood Harris. Some sort of double mix-up twist that yes. was foreplanned. Cla- yeah, Sherry, you know, your classic mystery stuff. Sherry O'Terry Fake death them. becomes real death. Right. Sherry O'Terry and, and Dream don't get along very well. Uh, who's, the, who's the guy that dies on the toilet? Oh, yeah. Um, Eli Roth is the guy who's uh, on the Yeah. Beloved actor of this podcast, yes. Eli Roth. Yeah, I definitely don't hate the director, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a pause cast. Yeah, exactly. Trying to it's a posy cast. Trying to stay posy. I'm I'm here to help with that, so I'll move on from Eli Roth <laughs> to uh, Fortunio Balducci. Oh, Fortunio, played by Will Sasso. He is a like a dilettante of some sort. He, I never, I never understand what he is. I just movie. got really confused. I felt like he was some kind of like Romeo plus Juliet, modern day Shakespearean gangster right. kind of thing. But he's, he's played by Will Sasso, and his name is Fortunio. Yeah. So then <laughs> so we got another sketch comedy alum doing a, a serious thing with us here. Yeah. He his his first line in the movie is quoting Karl Marx. So, it's a lot of weird great. Marxist stuff. All of our rebels are Marxists. Yeah, it's the neo-Marxist versus U.S. ident, which is the government, like Republican government faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the neo-Marxists led by uh, Nor Dunn as uh, uh, Deep Throat 2, Cindy Pinzicki. Nora Dunn. Yeah. Uh, she's great. Uh, and you've also got... Um, who else is part of the the neo Marxists? Well, like Amy Poehler and them are also working mm-hmm. with the neo Marxists. Yeah, they kind of keep they kind of keep all of the sketch com people over there, and then you get your classic 
uh, minor character film history weirdos on the side of Liquid Karma and the giant mega right, corporation. Right, in U.S. identity. Yeah, yeah, so there you've got your Wallace Shawn. Right, Wallace Shawn's run. Uh, from Princess Bride right. and other things. You've got your Zelda Rubenstein. Zelda Rubenstein is great, has like one line in this movie. She says quantum teleportation a couple times. Yes. Uh, <laughs> she's just there to be weird and foreboding. If, if you need tiny exposition, please give her a call. Do you I, remember her in... Um, Behind the Mask? Yes, of course. I love Behind the Mask. Uh, man, that's a good movie. And that's another one that plays with the movie in a movie thing. And, you know, ca- uh, stunt casting. Right, yeah. So many of these satire and horror things have crossover with, like, the knowing commentary. We'll right. say it first before you can say it about me. Sure, yeah. Uh, very, uh, very good. I love Zelda Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. Always happy to see her. I believe she sadly passed. She sadly passed. Um, Bai Ling. Bai Ling, yeah. She, like, there's this whole coterie of strange women. She can't help but be so <laughs> overtly sexual. Yeah, Bai Ling is, uh, she, I think, doesn't she, say a line in the theatrical cut. Is that? No, no. no she talks there's, to, yeah. she talks to The Rock when... She smokes in his face. Yeah, they have a conversation on the Mega Zeppelin. In a close-up when they caress each other's faces. Uh, And they just spout nonsense about... She tells him she's never known an undergarment, and he he says, I hate shirts. (laughs) It's true, yeah. We have so much in common. And then that's the end. That's the happy ending. (laughs) They dance off together. They're made for each other, really, by laying in the rock. There's a lot of... Well, they are like both like multicultural cross-platform artists. Sure, yeah. (laughs) I made it work there. They got a lot in common. There's a lot of dancing in this movie because, like Donnie Darko, I feel like he wrote and directed a lot of the scenes with specific pop songs in mind. It is kind of a musical in a lot of ways. Very operatic with a slow-mo over a Muse song. Yes, it does happen in this movie. Uh yeah. Uh who were we who were we talking about? We're biling. We're still in the weirdos. Oh yeah, the weirdos. Uh <laughs> uh Beth Grant. Beth uh, Beth Grant. Oh yes. She, uh, what, she was brought over from Donnie Darko. Yeah. She was the cheer mom. Yeah, and then this she plays Wallace Shawn's mom. Yeah, and she's gone on to do a lot of things that I like, you know, play various witches or substitute teachers or uh, scary stepmoms. She's uh, really good as a scary mom in a series of unfortunate events, which is, I think is sure. the most recent thing I saw her in. Okay, yeah. It was she played uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character's mom or adopted mother. Oh, or something. okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, Very I, bad I, influence in his life and had the I, power of eagles. <laughs> I don't know that I ever finished uh, that series. But, uh... The, my love of all the actors and performers carried me through, um, you know, especially Brock Sampson himself. Yeah, Pat, uh, Patrick Warburton, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was good in that. I don't know. It just wasn't my deal. You know, couldn't get into it. Well, if you like musicals, you'll like both that and this movie, <laughs> Southland Tales. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, oh, and then you've also got Curtis Armstrong, Booger himself. Oh, uh, is part of that gang. The principal from New Girl, which is what sure. I mostly know him from. I've only seen Revenge of the Nerds one through how many? Like once. I've seen one, once, two, maybe once. Yeah. Just so I've had seen it. There are lots of 80s movies I like a lot more. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about uh, Revenge of the Nerds is it doesn't hold up at all. No. In, in any way, shape, or form. There's some rapey stuff, yes, I think. There's a lot of rapey stuff in that movie. It's uh, very bad. Women aren't objects. They're friends. Exactly. We're friends of women on this podcast. Revenge of the Nerds <laughs> from what? From what? Revenge yourself. Exactly. Damn it, nerds. Lift yourself up. The nerd now would be the don't put uh, others down. Now it'd be Avengers of the nerds. Everybody's a nerd days. about something. You just need to connect and find out what you're the nerd of. I think that was kind of the moral of that movie. Oh, I don't remember. Actually, no, that movie didn't have any morals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he plays a, a another guy in the science group. He's a weirdo. He They're also all just does... weirdos. They just stand around looking weird. What I would be if I was a character actor, or like John Hodgman before me, which is nasal person gives detailed exposition. Sure, yeah, he, yeah, he. The science people, whenever they cut to them, they're always just saying something. You can't nonsense. have identical twin souls. The fourth dimension will collapse. All sorts of techno babble. Uh, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek talk in this. <laughs> then you've got. Uh, Holmes Osborne, uh, who was the dad from Donnie Darko. And so another carryover from another, Donnie Darko, another, another director's favorite. Yeah, well, he's got... Uh, Richard Kelly has his, like, his few people that he really likes mm-hmm. using. Because uh, Holmes Osborne's also in... Uh, I'd love to work with Beth Grant. He's in The Box. Holmes Osborne. Sure, yeah. Oh, the box. yeah, the box. Which was Richard Kelly's follow-up to this. See, okay. So, I... Do you know, they gave him another chance after this movie. It's true. It's wild, but it is true. He did get to make another movie after this. People get so many chances in Hollywood. Three. White Three especially chances. get so many chances. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Holmes Osborne is playing Senator Bobby Frost. Do you think Frank Langella has seen Southland Tales? If so, oh, why was he in the box? Absolutely not. I think he was in the box because his agent said, yeah, no, this guy's, uh, he made this cult thing and everybody will like it. Well, he was trying to cash in on, what did he, ju- was it Frost Nixon he'd just done and he was about, he was trying to yeah, keep Frost his Nixon name, keep himself out. going. I mean, but like, also, Frank Langella has n- never been one to shy away from being in a project. He was Skeletor in Masters of the Universe, for God's sake. What, live action? Yes. Is he buff? Not really. Does he like wear like he the wears whole, a bunch of like in the cartoon, yeah, yeah. like with the staff and yeah. the furry? Have you not seen the live action Masters of the Universe? I don't think I have. It's not a good movie, but he he fucking commits. He loves playing it, huh. uh, and he like he's been in all sorts of trash. He, he does sci fi channel movies all the time. Speaking of people who love, love to be Yellow. in trash, let's talk about Christopher Lambert. Uh, Christopher Lambert, fucking. I love him. Anytime, I'm always happy to see Christopher Lambert in a movie. He does nothing in this. He has one scene with Sherry O'Terry and uh, a scene later on. Who with is Shawnee he to Scott. anyone in this movie? Yeah, he's just like an arms dealer I'm in like, LA. This movie's got me so messed up. This movie's got me so <laughs> messed up because 
you could cut him from the movie. Sure. Like they cut Janine Garofalo. Yes. And all you'd need to figure out logistically is how Home Slice gets the rocket launcher at the R- end of the movie. Right. That's all he does for the plot in this movie. Yeah. And then or he trans, he kidnaps Stifler at one point. Right. Yeah. He kidnaps Sean William Scott for a little while. Uh, and he does have an argument with Sherry O'Terry at the beginning where she wants to pay him with a personal check for, for, uh, blanks. Uh, and yeah, he doesn't really, he's a weird, like, outlier. I think he just wanted to have Christopher Lambert in a movie. Which just I Just like to say you wanted to work with him. I get it. I, I would, guess. I love him. If he's you, the Highlander. If you had the chance, oh, he is the Highlander. If you had the chance, who's your character actor you'd bring in for your sophomore film that you got a little bit of cachet, you can cash <laughs> in, you can get someone, of up to a status of like a Werner Herzog. Oh, I mean Werner Herzog, I love. Uh, I, that would be. So, I shouldn't. I, feel have, like I shouldn't have be, picked that one. No, I feel like example. that would be so much uh, pressure, though. Mm-hmm. I would feel very pressured. Somebody fun Herzog. to work with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I love. Uh, oh, you know, I I fucking love Anne Dowd. Anne Dowd. Um, yeah, Anne Dowd. I love her. Mm-hmm. I would love to have work with Anne Dowd. She's she's great. She's so terrific in Hereditary. I love her. Ugh. Good movie. Oh, uh, and, um... No, I spaced on what else. Sorry. <laughs> and I was in my head. You know, you, when you ask a question, you have to have your answer to it before you ask the question. Sure. I, I got nothing for it. Like, who would I really want to work with? You know, maybe, like, a Walton Goggins. Sure, Walton Goggins, great. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Yeah, just like, um... Mm, somebody that deserves a starring role that looks weird. Yeah. Get Ben Mendelsohn. Love Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn does not need my help right now. No, he's doing great. But I mean, still. Bendelsohn. I wonder if his friends call him Bendelsohn. If they don't, they're a bunch of chumps. <laughs> they're a bunch of chumps. When they have their stag party, you know, where's he from? Is he from? Australia. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah. So when they're messing around... Out the, when muggies. they're having a bobby out in the outback, yeah, you know, just driving through <laughs> mud, drinking open container beers. Sure, yeah, I, I assume that's what Bendelson. Get the f over here, you <laughs> wanka. Uh, let's see who else is. Uh, who who are we missing in in this uh, Southland Tales cast? Uh, I feel like there's just this so... has been. I mean, I haven't gone through iTunes yet to see who else has done a standalone or full series episode about the film Southland Tales, but I feel like that's pretty comprehensive. Yeah. And really just goes to show, like, Richard Kelly was going for something here, and it is constantly distracting, but also you get used to it. Yeah. Because when everyone is unexpected, then it becomes... At a certain point, you just kind of give up trying to understand the movie as you watch it, Mm -hmm. and just uh, let go of uh, you know, knowledge and fear. You're (laughs) not going to be able to keep your balance watching this movie. You kind of have to roll with you it give yourself or else you'll get it. seasick trying to track I'm, everything i'm really trying to think uh i feel like there's some other i mean you know th- this is just one of those things that it's just so packed with people that oh kevin smith oh kevin smith plays the movie. wizard he plays this guy he plays 
general Simon theory, and he's in fatigues and he's missing legs. He doesn't have legs he's got for a some big reason. Old beard. He looks you know, like it reminded me of like one of those side characters from uh, Metalocalypse. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. He he does the have evil that hacker kind of vibe. in a yeah. wheelchair with no legs and he a kinda, beard. He kind of has that vibe. Uh, he has his in the theatrical cut. His appearance is completely inexplicable. In the can cut, he actually is he's in a big subplot with Janine Garofalo, who is completely cut out of the film in in the theatrical cut. And to be honest, her performance is a little flat. I don't I mean, know. She didn't know what she was doing there. No, I didn't know what she was doing there. I, I still don't know what the, what the that way, subplot was the about. The way to be successful in this movie, if I can give some after-the-fact backseat quarterbacking advice to these actors, is to, if you don't know what you're doing, which you won't, you've just gotta go for it 100% yeah. anyway. Be like Wallace Shawn. Exactly. Wallace Shawn is really the platonic ideal of someone who's just going for it in a small role, small and very confusing role. Uh, yeah, and let's see. What what uh, should we like? We haven't talked about the plot of the movie at all because it's. I don't think either of us. We've quite... glanced over it. We've glanced over it. And it's a lot of intrigue. It's a lot of incoherence. Yes, and it's a lot of just these things are bad. Everyone is bad. Everything feels inevitable. Yes. Um, Richard Kelly's really high on his own supply here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's this whole... When it comes to the plot of this movie, for me, that is what's always going to sadly bring me back as I am a slave to my sci-fi and fantasy upbringing. And when you say catchphrases to me like time travel, multiple dimensions... Right collapsing dimensions multiple versions of yourself interacting with yourself yeah the end of the world and can we prevent it i am automatically going to be a sucker so i will always at least be 33 percent into this sure, movie yeah absolutely just based on the subject it's pushing matter. a lot of my buttons um... my buttons too <laughs> that's why we're friends exactly it's true is it so much Star Trek nonsense? It but is. It, I mean, it's sub-Star Trek. But come on, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, I think it's, you know, it would be nice if if it were possible to understand the movie, but, you know. If uh, Ryan Johnson directed this movie, you know, maybe it would have come out more coherent, but would it have yes. been as memorable? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it would. It would. Ryan Johnson's a better director. He's a great director. I'm sorry, I don't know it. No. I was just thinking about Looper and all. Yeah, of his, Looper's a good cho- example. His mysteries with twists. Um, well, the thing about the difference, the main difference between Ryan Johnson and uh, Richard Kelly is that Richard Kelly is kind of he is wanting to make uh, art films and kind of failing at mm-hmm. it. He's make uh, whereas Ryan Johnson is mostly just trying to make populist. I like, think crap he wants leaders. to be Amblin Spielberg, yeah, and he's and he's doing a fucking great job at it. He's and hug me good. and be my friend. Exactly. Knives Out was great. It's it. It really. Was. I've been thinking about it a lot. It's a it's a fucking fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you know. So whereas Richard Kelly, he he. He's kind of he he's got aspirations of being an art house guy, 
and when he's working on a budget like this, uh, he doesn't know how to, I don't think, make a big budget crowd pleasing science fiction film. Like mm-hmm. Looper is playing with some with some large concepts, but mostly they keep it pre- all that stuff off camera. You know, they don't talk a lot about the mechanics of time travel and that sort of thing. Uh, and all the exposition comes in the form of like action and watching it take place. Whereas this is just a lot of two people in a room looking at each other and going, "What? Well, th- this guy is two souls. He's two the same soul split into two bodies. And what happens if they shake hands? Either touch or don't touch. Which is the deal. Like that's the whole thing is Sean William Scott is playing two characters who are introduced as brothers, and then you find out that they're the same person. Mm-hmm. And uh, There's a switcheroo. One is impersonating to other. Right. So he's impersonating himself. I love how he's introduced with uh, the delay in his mirror. Oh, with, that with his is... Reflection. That's a very good visual It's set a great piece. visual. It doesn't... You, I think it's be- supposed to be because of how the drugs are wearing off. Yeah. But it's also never really Just clear. some classic Michelle Gondry. It's just d- weird. Dreaminess and uh, a yeah. uh, little bit Linklatery. A lot sure, of yeah. lot of rotoscopy filters in this movie happening. Yeah. W- uh, the way they visualize how people see things on drugs is there's mm-hmm. a lot of gloopy backgrounds and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing i think that's to the movie's benefit i think if it, this movie hadn't been so sort of like it's on syrup yes then it w- wouldn't be able to achieve that effect on you and kind of get your heartbeat in sync with its right so you kind of fall for it no he's actually, trying absolutely. to make his sort of ratcheting time music video techniques affect your physiology in a way that you kind of let go and be like this is a drug trip they're on drugs (laughs) my body feels like it's on drugs because i'm trying to track this stuff right you're trying to but it's too shaggy no it's very shaggy it's extremely it's all shag very little dog in there it's like Mm -hmm. a teeny tiny little dog and then uh, just like mountains of shag (laughs) <laughs> get this dog a haircut honestly uh it's so it's so strange watching like the two different versions and seeing that so much of the stuff that they cut is the stuff that make that made the story make sense yeah <laughs> cut a lot of uh supporting uh columns out of it yeah uh but can't that, knock that wall out but again it does lend to the fever dream kind of energy mm-hmm. of it uh, and I think people would be better at watching this movie these days with quick cutting and less hand-holding. I'm talking about the theatrical version. Sure, yeah, yeah. And in a post-Scott Pilgrim world. Sure. Yeah, I get that. The, where you expect smart audiences and... But the problem is that it's got... A smart audience it premiered to, it can't hate it. Yeah, well, but... And, and the thing is, like... I'm. I don't think that it would necessarily be that much easier to understand because the visual language might be hectic like that, but whereas with Scott Pilgrim, it's hectic, but the storytelling is very clear. And this, Mm -hmm. all of the hectic editing and and, uh, scene transitions 
serve to make the story even more impenetrable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've literally, I don't know that I could tell you what I, 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 there probably was a time several years ago where I could sit down and tell you what the story is about. I believe I, I believe I told you in the teaser that I understood it better after the first couple of times. Right. And maybe I understood it better when Bush was president. Maybe. You know? I mean, that was, that definitely was a part, although we watched it, uh, in 2008. So that was like the end of the Bush presidency. Mm. But it, it was still fresh in our minds. But it's still like, a, yeah, it still has some relevancy. Uh, the fucking, uh, let's see, there's the US ident, everyone at the US ident wears transparent raincoats. Transparent raincoats. There's a lot of little people, which is a very strange inclusion. It feels exploitative. Yeah, it's problematic is the fairest thing I can say. Like, I know there are little people in the of world. Of course, yeah. I don't want to objectify or... No, it's not the fact that little... Take advantage of it. It's not the fact that little people exist in this movie. It's the fact that... They're exclusively in this one office. Well, and there's like... Like Oompa Loompas. And they're all tabled together, Uh whereas like the not little people are all... They're treated as a separate unit where they have to be small for some reason that is never explained. Yeah, it's very... It it just seems like a, a joke that I'm not quite understanding mm-hmm. uh there's uh all this boy we are just gonna completely lose ourselves trying to actually explain the plot of this film i feel like i'm back inside the movie and i'm trapped inside of it again <laughs> let's escape for a minute and take a breather by talking about the music video that appears <laughs> as a drug sequence in the middle of the movie yeah halfway through the movie with no real uh, preamble and not really having anything to do with anything else that's happening. Uh, Justin Timberlake takes a hit. Justin Timberlake, famous actor, famous pop singer, songwriter, dancer from NSYNC and of solo fame, uh, suit and tie. Sure, yeah. And all of these great songs and collabs lip syncs to a killer's song. <laughs> yes. For some reason, uh, I think just because Richard Kelly loved this song, uh, he dances. It's on the nose, and you know it, because he's an Iraq war vet with a comically large eye and cheek scar, and he's got the dog tags on, and he's drinking a Budweiser because America, in front of an American flag, mouthing the words, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier, which is... Like this movie, the most fake, profound thing ever. <laughs> it truly is, and it, he's having he you know all of his scenes take place in this arcade on the Venice Pier, and he has this whole choreographed dance number through this arcade with a bunch of hot nurses all doing dance moves around him. It really it, and it because doesn't... he's on drugs, because needles, so nurses and needles. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. I didn't actually make the association. Or, you know, war nurses, like he's got PTSD, or... Yeah. He does have PTSD. He, it, 
But he, it's a classic like follow cam headshot, walk right, into yeah, the he, camera, drug trip. Yeah, he's facing the camera, and yeah, they're he's kind of like talking and drinking a beer and singing at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's extremely weird. Uh, I have no idea why it's in the movie. Well, he's on Liquid Karma. He is, which is also the new free water gas. Yeah, that's the the that name you of the... get when a Hummer and a Lady Hummer really love each <laughs> other very much. They, they make liquid karma and people put this hydro gas in their bodies and and dance with nurses. Yeah, it, it is kind of like that people if people started like injecting gasoline into their necks. Uh it doesn't it's never it really explained why fluid karma is also a drug in addition to being an energy source. It seems to be like just a byproduct of It's a quantum whatever. MacGuffin. Yeah, it really is. Quantum MacGuffin. <laughs> that could describe pretty much anything that happens in this movie. It's fuel and drugs and the plot device and also nothing because I don't think it ends up having to do anything with anything. Uh yeah, no, I mean it's it's basically just like it's what's it seems to be kind of what sets the plot in motion. Mm-hmm. I think Fluid karma, it's implied like the perpetual motion machine is what created the time rip. The, yeah, the it's the back sh- it's the backdrop into which our two befuddled buddies, the rock and Sean William Scott, find themselves bereft of identity and motivation. They're just led through this dance throughout parts of LA you're not familiar with. <laughs> yeah, it's really. it's really just a series of people telling our heroes where to go and what to do. And who to go see yeah. and be a gay bat and, and who to be what horrors to go witness for now. Uh is there what 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 are we what what should we talk about? Well, I feel like we should I feel like we've been rambling mm. like lunatics. <laughs> this movie causes a hysteria. It truly does. I feel like we should we should kinda come up with some final thoughts. I can't I honestly don't know what to say. I it, this movie has wrecked us both. And we've seen it so many times, so I can't even imagine a first-time viewer how they would experience it. Well, I feel like in our ramblings, we've gotten to a lot of the things that make this movie something that we could ramble about for ten episodes. Right. We've talked about the crazy people that are in this film and what they've gone on to do, and I don't know how they found their way here. (laughs) We sort of got through the plot we definitely spent a lot of time on our themes which i think is what does stick out about this movie yeah the big political messages and that sort of thing uh yeah i uh, just want to communicate the induced mania it causes i I just have nonsense notes here (laughs) they're just quotes from the book of revelations yeah and names from the movie and the word mega zeppelin underlined with uh, three exclamation points like it's something important yeah the 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 whole ending takes place on a mega zeppelin which gets blown up by a young drafty who fires a bazooka from a floating ice cream truck <laughs> with shop to watch sean william scott's inside there are a lot of films i think of in the sort of drugged out psycho trip canon that were this a better movie it could find itself alongside sure and i think 
you know, he really wanted to be a link later about this and make a waking life plus crime. He wanted to do his version of well, Scanner Darkly hadn't come out yet, had it? Or did they come out like the same year? Well, it would. You did an episode about this. It came out. No, well, it came out after the can cut. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think there's that. I think he also there's definitely some Lynchian vibes in there too. He's got he's going for this very dreamlike mm-hmm. atmosphere. Yeah, trying to freak me out in a way that Blue Velvet freaks me out. And this movie does freak me out, but not for the same reasons. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, and it is interesting how you know we've we describe the theatrical cut as like a fever dream, but that dreamlike feeling does retain in the can cut. Mm-hmm. It's just more of a like a surreal lilting dream. It's not quite so manic. It's paced, yeah. And they did put me into a hypnosis. It does. It lures you in. Uh, so yeah, so that's Southland Tales. Everyone should go watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's all we've got right now for Southland Tales. Yeah, I just wonder, because it has so many elements from things I like about other movies and things I like and wish I would see more of in movies. It's a noir. It's a mystery. It's a warning. It's got actors i still love to this day and there's all these science fiction buzzwords that will always set my cortex aflame (laughs) and the fact that none of these elements congealed in any sort of coherent way no not at all and it's all a very loud operatic purple mess that's what makes it so engaging though the fact the fact that it's such a fiasco is what makes it so much fun Mm -hmm. would we be here having a podcast about it if it was just a pretty good movie. No, probably not. If it was just like a normal, if it was like Donnie Darko level and like made sense. As I don't as... want to talk to you for an hour about Donnie Darko. No. I would talk to you for seven and a half minutes about <laughs> Donnie Darko, which I think we did at some yeah, point probably. in this runtime. Uh, Richard Kelly was then after this allowed to make the box he did make the box and then he was banished to the shadow realm yeah for, i would love to see him make another movie i really would i'm interested i'll watch it i didn't like the box very much but i still would southland tales is weird enough that I, I would be down to watch whatever he comes up with next i'll if richard kelly if you're listening to this he might i'll always give you another chance I'll give you 70 times 7 chances. That's another Bible quote for you. You love yeah, that so much. Uh, because I want people out there just going for it. Yeah, and I always love it. I do appreciate the outsider quality of this. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm always going to be more excited to watch a movie like Southland Tales where it, like someone has just been able to go wild and unleash their id on the screen. Than you know, just some generic uh, sci-fi thriller or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's uh, way more fun to watch a, a, a exacerbated failure like this. And we'll come back to it again and again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see, Luke. Do you have anything uh, you might want to plug? Anything you want to say before we go? I'd just like to say, you know, hit us up with your thoughts about what you think about Southland Tales in this episode. How you think we're doing so far? 
Um, I'm new at this, and I, I ain't never done this before, but I'm just so excited to share um, our relationship with Absolutely. the internet Me and too. try and capture what only can happen when you and I are in a room together. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about it. I'm very looking forward to what we've got coming up. Which, uh, I don't know what... I think, actually, the next episode is going to be our day of reactions to Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I think we're doing a pretty good job of going about this the right way. We got our prototype teaser. Yeah. We got our pilot. Here we are, Southland Tales. And now we're putting it into production with our finely tuned, delirious thoughts. (laughs) Taking place about three thirty live. That's gonna be fun. About Rise of Skywalker, and I, I really can't wait. Super late night. I just got my Kylo Ren costume in the mail. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be wearing a costume. Uh, bringing my partner Jackie. She'll also be dressed as uh, I think Last Jedi Ray. Okay, dope. Yeah, uh, with the darker. I like that costume. Uh, fake plastic lightsabers will be brought, as is tradition. <laughs> For lobby battles, I will just be wearing clothes. No, but you ordered a cute dress. I did. I, I've got. I've got a with a cute, cute print. I've got. I've got some options. Don't act like you're not dressing up and <laughs> having a fun time. It's gonna be great. Uh, yeah. And so we'll be bringing that pretty soon. That's just gonna be like depending on when you put days. that up. Yeah, I'm hope, uh, this uh, should be up soon, and so in less than a week. Yeah, less than a week from publication of that. Friday, December twentieth. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I'm excited to have you here for the rest of your time visiting me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, But I don't really do social media, though, anymore. No, you don't. And that's good. It's honestly good. Maybe I'll come out of my shell sometime when I've got something to share. You know, like this podcast. Absolutely. Maybe. I've always, it's always been my artistic belief to just talk about things after they're done. Yeah. That's a good idea. Good plan. Then get that instant gratification, the little dopamine from telling someone about the exciting idea. Right. Uh, yeah, and you can find uh, me on on uh, fucking all Twitter. the social medias. It's just Twitter. At hi there, hi dar. Hi there, hi dar. <laughs> and you can find me on uh, find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at lowcomphenom. Uh, thank you as always to Luke Van Trish for a theme song. That's you. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm here. <laughs> and thank you as always uh, to Jorge Riverall for our artwork. Uh, you're fucking fantastic. Uh, and thank you to you guys. Yes. And thanks so much for listening. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And this movie is so important to us. Yes. So watch I, it. Go watch I it. I really do want to hear some feedback because I know there are dozens of us out there. I know you're out there. I want to hear from you. All the Southland Tales heads. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Goodbye. Talk to you again soon. Oh, my butt fucking hurts. Yeah, I haven't gotten up and stretched like you did.